It was fun to see that video of Panama. It feels a little like Panama in here today, so I'm just getting ready for it. We're so glad that you're with us at Homestead. We are finishing up the last week in a series that we have been in for the last few weeks on the body of Christ, and we have been talking about um, what that looks like. We've been talking about what it means that we are all a part of a body. We're a part of the larger body of Christ. If we are followers of Jesus, we are a part of the big church all around the world, part of the body of Christ, but then we are also a part of a body here at Homestead, that as a church, as we come together, that we are all um, peace of a larger puzzle, and we all have a part to play in the body, and we have, I've just really enjoyed spending some time talking about what some of those different roles might look like, some of the different ways that each one of us function in the body. Um, The first week, Jeff talked about how every piece of the puzzle is important. Every part of the body is important. We had Mr. Potato Heads, the kids were in here, and we talked about you have to have all of the parts of your body working or it doesn't work. The foot can't just decide, I just don't think I want to participate anymore, or it's just not going to work. We all have to work together. And so there's no part of the body that is unimportant. There's no part of the body that can just say, I just am going to check out and not work anymore. Because when that happens, we know that nothing works properly. And so then we started talking about not only how we're all a part of the body, but we kind of started to define what some of those parts are and some of those things, uh, some of those places where you can get involved and use your gifts in the body. And we've been using this scripture as our foundation for this series. In Ephesians chapter 4, 11 through 12, hopefully you have it memorized by now since you've been doing it so many weeks. And it says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors, and the teachers. And we've been looking at those five things as systems in the body, just like you have your skeletal system, just like you have your respiratory system. We've been looking at each of those five things as a system that makes our body function, and then each one of us have a part within that system, just like our respiratory system has our lungs, it has our how we breathe, and all the other things that I can't think of right now that make our respiratory system work. So within the function of the body, we have these systems, and we've been looking at those five gifts. And Ephesians 4 goes on to tell us later on in the chapter that if those things aren't working properly, if those systems aren't functioning properly, that you will see your body not working well. And it tells us a few things. It says that if those systems aren't working properly, you will see immaturity in the body of Christ. You will see people that aren't growing. You'll see people falling prey to lies and easily swayed by just winds of whatever. It won't be healthy. It won't be growing. Uh, Just like if your respiratory system wasn't functioning properly, you know your whole body will be affected. Not just that. You're not going to have energy. You won't be able to do the things you need to do. So we need all of these things functioning properly. Just like at Homestead, we need all of these things functioning properly for our body to be healthy, for all of it to work together, for every part of our body to be growing and healthy. We need every one of these systems properly functioning in order that we can see our body growing and healthy. So the five systems we covered, just a quick review. Apostle, that was the first week we talked about apostles. They are the people that start new things. They are coming up with new ideas. They're able to see holes, see places that need to be filled. And they are the ones that are coming up with new ideas and new places. Then we have the prophets, which Jeff talked about. The prophet, they are the truth tellers. Does anybody have a truth teller in their world? My best friend is a truth teller, and I love it because I call her and I go, all right, 
You're going to have to hit me with the truth. I need it. And, and later on, I'll go, I need you to tell me the truth again. But can you make it, put a, I say, put a bow on it. Can you put a bow on your truth telling so that it's nicer for my little soft heart? But the prophets, they are the ones that help us stay in line. I like to think of that as the guardrails. They're the ones that say, I don't know if this is the right path or why are we doing that? And they're very black and white. And they help us keep things within context. Jeff definitely has this gift, and it has worked well in our marriage because I am always the like, I have a new idea. And then he'll go, okay, well, what about this, and what about this, and what about this? He helps provide guardrails. And so that function needs to be happening properly in our church. Um, He talked about we need to be people who are hearing God speak to us and say, what is God saying? Where is God leading, and where is God guiding us? That is the prophetic gift in the church. And then there's the work of the evangelist. And Jeff talked about that last week. Those are the ones who are gathering people in. They are uh, good at sharing faith. They help us reach outside these four walls. They're the ones that are saying, well, what are we going to do for the community? How are we going to get more people in? They are the ones who are networking. They're always meeting new people. I had a girlfriend once. I taught Bible studies for years when we were at River Valley, and I had a girlfriend who had this gift so strong. Every time we'd have a Bible study, she'd show up with a new person, and it would be like, oh, hi, who are you? And oh, well, I met Heather at the park last week, and she invited me to come to Bible study. And there was one day, there was, I am not exaggerating, there was a woman who came into our Bible study at nine o'clock on a Tuesday morning, and I said, well, hi, it's nice to meet you. And I said, how do you know Heather? She's like, I was just at Target, and I was checking out. And we just started talking in the line, and she invited me to come, and so here I am. And I, I looked at her like, you have the gift of an evangelist. I mean, she just had a knack for always meeting people. And some of you have that gift, and we need you functioning in that gift in order for our church to grow. And then we talked about the gift of a teacher. Teachers, you are the ones that love to express to people, help them learn and understand new ways. If whenever your friends are talking about their problems, if you're the one that goes home and Googles solutions or you're always bringing people new books or you call back and say, I think maybe this would help you or you love to see people grow and that makes you exciting, you might have the gift of a teacher and that might be a part of how God has wired you. And then today we are going to talk about the gift of a pastor. And the gift of a pastor is someone who cares about other people people, who sees needs, they're sensitive, they love to come alongside and help and see other people. So those are the five systems of the body. And we, hopefully you have been challenged that each week all of us need to be functioning in some level in all of those things. We don't get to just say, well, I'm not really an evangelist, so I don't ever share my faith with people. Well, as all of us as followers of Christ need to be functioning in some way in all of these gifts. And then hopefully some of you realize but there's another level for me in this particular gift. I really, hopefully you've, you've been able to kind of pinpoint some things like, I really think maybe I have the gift of teaching. I really like to teach people. And so that's a, a, a sign for you that that's an area where you could start serving and growing in your gift. And so hopefully you have been able to pinpoint maybe some of the places where you could be involved in the body of Christ. And this week, we're talking about what it means to be a pastor and the gift of a pastor in the body of Christ. And I think many of you are going to discover that you have the heart of a pastor, that that is something that God has wired you, the way that you see the world, the way that you respond to people, the way that you interact with people. You really have the heart of a pastor. And the role of a pastor is someone who cares for the people in the church. 
You just care about them, and you help take care of them. Now, it can be easy to think of a pastor as just the role that Jeff and I play in this church, and we are indeed your pastors. And can I tell you, nothing brings us more joy. We, we have been very busy this fall going off and doing ministry on Friday and Saturday. It just has seemed like a busy season with that. And coming back when I know it's a Sunday morning and we're coming to Homestead, all I feel in my heart is great joy to be with you. And I just was thinking about that this morning, how incredibly blessed we are to be your pastors. And we love this church, and we love you as people, and we love that we get to be your pastors. But you know what? For our church to be strong and healthy, Jeff and I can't be the only pastors. We need everybody caring about one another. We need everybody serving. We need everybody loving and looking after people. That's what will make our church strong. That's what will make our church healthy. Now, the literal translation for pastor is shepherd. It's a shepherd. Now, what does a shepherd do? A shepherd watches over their flock. They feed them. They keep them healthy. They watch over them. They make sure they have everything they need. They look after them. They keep them safe from predators. They make sure that their environment is safe and that they don't have anything that could harm them. They care for them. Um, A shepherd takes interest in them and knows them individually, not just collectively, but knows them individually. And I was uh, pulled out this book this week as I was studying that I had read a couple years ago. It's called Scouting the Divine. It's by Margaret Feinberg. It's a great book. Anybody can borrow it if you want for your summer reading list. But um, it's a very interesting concept. She was looking at scriptures and realized that a lot of the things that scripture talks about over and over are concepts that you and I don't deal with every day. When the Bible was written, everybody knew a shepherd. Anybody in the room know a shepherd? No, nobody. And she started realizing there are a lot of these things that I don't really understand. And so she went and spent time with four different groups of people. She went and spent time with a shepherd. She spent time with a beekeeper, because the Bible talks about honey. She spent time with a farmer. That one I get a little more. I know a few farmers. We have some in our family. And then she spent time um, at a vineyard. And because the Bible talks a lot about all of these concepts, and so it's a really interesting book. But I was thinking about, um, she has a chapter on going and spending time with a shepherd, because she wanted to learn what it was like. There's so many scriptures that talk about a shepherd and sheep, so she went and spent time. Now, she called around to a few different places, and... um, First, she was contacting some commercial shepherds, people who did it for a living, like mass quantities of sheep. And suddenly she realized that wasn't really what she was looking for. And instead, she found a woman named Lynn who was a shepherdess who lived in Oregon who had just a small family farm. And when she contacted Lynn and said, hey, can I just come and just spend a couple days with you and watch what you do with your sheep and learn from you? And so she invited her to come. But her first thing was like, are you sure you don't want like someone that does this commercially or has a lot more sheep or, you know, is better at, like, all of the production part. And she said, no, I want to find someone who loves their sheep. And so she went and spent some time with Lynn. And I want to read you a little passage of the first day that Margaret was out in the fields with Lynn. And this is what she says. As we followed the trail to the lower pasture, Lynn introduced me to particular sheep. That's Opal, she said, pointing to a silvery ewe. She is a great mother. Though this year she's been more possessive of her lamb. Maybe it's because she gave birth to only one instead of two babies, but she lambed later than the rest. She has a weight problem. During her pregnancy, she was so large, I honestly thought she was going to have triplets. Her voice is different than any of the others. 
it's raspy. It has more of a bleat than a ba. But this one over here, this is Iris. And her nickname is herself. Isn't that the best nickname? Um, she said, scratching that sheep under the chin. She is self-confident, and she goes her own way. If there is an open door, she is the first one out of it. Iris sure knows how to get into trouble. But on a warm, sunny day, she's also the first to come and lie down beside me. She pointed to the sheep that looked older than the rest. Its dark wool was uneven in length, and its face was scarred. The black one? That's Maggie, she said. She's 14, already two years beyond the average life expectancy. And as a granny, she'll stomp her foot if she gets mad at you. But make no mistake, she's loving and kind. One sheep seemed particularly taken with Lynn. She pushed against Lynn's leg in an effort to get additional attention. That's Jovita, and she is just the sweetest. She likes to sit on my lap, and she'll even nibble on my nose. I call her my lap sheep. Dove, who had a difficult pregnancy, abandoned her. But Iris over there, she adopted her. Love that, Iris. There's a lot of flock drama, you know. I didn't know, but I was quickly learning. Sheep and people share more in common than I ever dreamed. And as we walked, Lynn described each sheep with the same tender attention to detail as a mother. Where I saw a flock of similar sheep, Lynn saw individuals and unique characteristics and quirks. I love that idea of a shepherd. It wasn't just a big, if you and I were to walk out and see this mass group of sheep, we'd think, well, there's a whole lot of sheep. But she knew everything about them. She saw them as individuals. She saw them as people. She knew their little quirks, their little idiosyncrasies, the little places that they were challenging, the little places where they were lovely. She knew them. She knew them. She loved them. She saw them. She appreciated them for who they were, and she cared for them. And when we talk about what it means to be a pastor, and when we talk about what it means to have the pastoral gifts running strong in Homestead, it really boils down to this. We always want this church to be a place where people feel seen and known and loved and appreciated we are all different. We want everybody to feel loved and understood and known. You know, honestly, the longer I'm alive, I really think more and more people just want someone to care about them. Would you agree with me? They just want someone to care about them. You know what? They can go online and listen to, to messages far better than I could ever do. They can hear all kinds of stuff. They can go to really sharp places that are doing new things all the time. But more and more, I think people are looking for a place. Will you know my name? Will you care about me? Will you notice when I'm not there? Will it matter if I'm not there? People are looking to be seen and understood and loved and cared for. Jeff and I were at a single mom's retreat this weekend, and I was amazed at how many times someone would come up to me at the end of the service and just say, thank you for being here, and I would say thank you, and they would kind of dangle out a little thing like, you know, I've just been going through a hard time, and all it would take would me to say, really, tell me what, what's going on, and immediately the tears would flow and just pouring out. And all it took was one question. And I could just as easily have just said, yep, awesome, thanks, see you later. And yet all they wanted was for someone to see them and say, okay, what's going on? And a hand on the shoulder or saying a prayer. And that is what people are looking for. They are looking for a place that will care for them. 
And all of us are called to do this as followers of Christ. All of us are called to care for people. That is what will make the difference in our world. I really believe that. Our faith is not just an intellectual pursuit. There is a part of that that's important. You need to be learning more about God. You need to know the right thing to say. But our faith can't just all be in here. And it can't even just all be in here. It has to come out into the people in our world. I know this because James tells us this. In James chapter 2, verses 14 through 20, it says this. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or a sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or any clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself, it isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it's dead and useless. Now some may argue, some people have faith and some people have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? I love James gets so sassy. Good for you. Congratulations. You say you believe? Great. Awesome. But what are you going to do about it? And for all of us, our faith can't just be inside. It has to come out and, and be in works and how we show other people. If you and I are followers of Christ, we need to care about people. And the truth is God has placed you at your job or at your school or in your neighborhood or in your family or in your circle of influence because he needs somebody in that circle to care for people. He wants you to be a light right where you are. And you know what? Sometimes I think we all know that in our minds, and then we think, but I don't really know how to do that. How do I be a light in my workplace? I mean, do I, you know, pray really loud over my lunch? Oh, Lord, thank you for my salad. It is so beautiful. You know, is that how we share our faith? I mean, is it, is it handing people tracts? Is it, you know, bringing your Bible and carrying it to all your classes? I don't know. Sometimes we don't know how to do that. Can I tell you a really easy way that will make a huge difference? Care about people. Ask them questions. Start by just listening to what they're talking about. Maybe it's just a little thing like I was talking about the single mom kind of dangling out. Of, like things have been a little rough. And maybe it's not even directed at you. Maybe it's just in the circle of somebody. You pick up on something or you notice something. Go back and ask a question. Are you okay? What's going on? Is there something that I can do? If you want to be a light somewhere, I promise you a little bit of care will go a really long way in shining a light of Christ in someone's life. So what if we just started caring about people in the circle that you're in? Just jumping in and helping where you can. Just saying, oh, well, I'm sorry to hear that. Is there anything I can do? And then doing it. Is there any way that I can come alongside of you? Can I help with something? Can I pick up your kids? Could I bring you a meal? Could I, could I um, bring you a book? I, I have a book that I think might help you with this. Could I give that to you? Just a little bit of care will go a long way. And you will be amazed at what God will do to open up the heart of someone by just simply caring for them. 
some of you, this is going to be something that you have to practice. It doesn't come naturally for you. For some of you, you're like, yeah, this isn't my natural wheelhouse. And yet for all of us, we need to be practicing this. Because the truth is, none of us are off the hook when it comes to caring about other people. So ask Jesus to grow this in your heart. If it doesn't come really naturally for you, uh, my truth teller friend, she will say, it does not come naturally for me. And so she'll call, oh, whatever. And I'll go, why don't you, like, bring her something or whatever. And she'll go, okay. And then I'll usually get a text like, you'll be so proud of me. I did something like really nice. (laughs) You know, so sometimes you might have to try harder, but ask Jesus to grow this in your heart for other people. You know, a really good way to start growing that for other people is to start praying for them. I have found that once I start praying for people that I know are having a hard time, all of a sudden, sometimes, you know, the annoyance of like, well, why are you doing that? You know, or you could fix it. Some of you that see how to fix it have a really hard time with this because you keep thinking, well, if you did this and this and this and this, this would get better, and you want to get over here. Add a little care to that and see what happens. So some of you, you're going to have to practice this. But for some of you, and this is the second part I want to talk about today, this is your thing. You love to care for other people. You just have this gift in you. This gift of caring for other people is like a second nature to you. You don't even think about it. It just happens. You are a compassionate person by nature. People with this gift are very sensitive and pick up quickly on the emotional needs of others. Anybody just want to like say, yeah, I, I have this. Anybody have this gift? Oh, I know, Katie, you do. Anyway, (laughs) I do. Um, I have always been, I quickly pick up on what other people are dealing with. Um, Maybe you are greatly concerned with those who hurt when you see other people hurting. Can you, anybody recognize this in maybe one of your kids? They are always quick if somebody's hurting. I have one that if somebody is crying or hurting, everything stops, and she just... She's just keyed into it right away. That's a gift of compassion, of care for other people. You will do anything you can to help relieve the pain of others. You hate injustice. You hate unfairness. And you hate unkindness. You cannot wrap your head around when people are mean to other people. You just can't even get your head around it. Um, You can't stand to see someone left out, rejected, or treating poorly. It just bothers you on a deeper level. Maybe you love to help and you love to serve and it makes you so happy to just dive in and help other people. You see needs and you love to help meet them in other people. You have a big heart. These are our big hearted people. Um, One of my favorite books just for parenting is called Discover the Spiritual Gifts of Your Children and it goes through some of all these gifts and I thought this little definition of compassion children is really interesting so you could relate this to your children or to yourself. I thought this was a great quote. Compassion children are loving. In the diagram of the body, they constitute the heart. The more love they expend, the more love fills their hearts. And when they've entered into perfect love relationships with Jesus Christ, his love pours through them even more powerfully. Caring is an outgrowth of a compassion children's exceptional ability to love. They identify easily with others' needs, wanting to reach out and meet them. Not only do they sympathize and empathize, they are unable to rest if there are hurting people around them. 
They're unable to rest. And I love a couple things about that, how they need to be pouring out the love in their heart. It's just like second nature. They have to be doing that. Uh, this gives that book, I can, I'll lend it to anybody that wants it. It's really great if you have a compassion child because it really helps you steer that. Um, compassion children love pets. Just saying, some of you out there. <laughs> Not goldfish, snuggly pets, okay? Um, some of the compassion children, they need a place to pour that out. And if they don't, they start to feel all itchy. And so you need to find ways for them to be able to serve, to help other people. It's really important to them. And I love that the more they pour out, the more they actually get filled up inside. And they identify easily with others' needs. Not only do they sympathize and empathize, they cannot rest if there are hurting people around them. They have to try and help in some way, shape, or form. And you can teach them to pray for people. You can teach them to write cards. You can teach them how to manage that, what's going on. So some of you are looking at that going, oh my goodness, this is so me. I have this gift of compassion or a pastoral gift. I see the needs in other people. Can I tell you, that is not an accident. That is something that has been given to you by God so that you can be a light in a particular way in the body of Christ. This was um, something that I have always had as a child. I just remember always caring immensely about other people and wanting to help and always wanting just feeling bad for people that were hurting. And I remember that was just a part of who I always thought I was. I didn't really think about it. And when I was in college, I was at a service one day and I had a woman come up to me, someone I had never met before. And she came up to me and she said, I feel like God put something on my heart for you. And I said, well, that's interesting. Well, what is it? And I was hoping it was good and not crazy. And she said, the gift of compassion in you is something that God gave you. And you are supposed to use it for his kingdom. And I remember it should have seemed like the most obvious thing in the world to me. But it wasn't. All of a sudden I realized, wait a minute. This is my piece of the puzzle. This is where I'm supposed to be. This is where I'm supposed to be serving. And all of a sudden, it gave me my little corner of the body of Christ that I knew that that was where God had made me that way so that I could care for people. And it just changed the way I looked at things. All of a sudden, if I was in an environment and somebody was hurting, I was like, I know my job. Over there, that's my job. My job is to go help those that are hurting. And so for some of you, maybe you have never thought of this as a gift that's been given to you by God. You just thought, I just have a big old heart. Maybe you just think, I don't know, I just like to help. Would you begin to look at that as a gift given to you by God to serve the people in your world? I think it will revolutionize your world. God has given you the specific gift because he wants you to use it to reach the world for Jesus. And we want this gift flourishing in our church. We want people coming into Homestead to feel seen and known, that everybody knows their name, and they're always glad you came, right? We want that to be what it feels like when you come in here, that people come and they're friendly, and we get that feedback all the time. We are doing a good job, but you know what? It's harder as the church gets bigger to keep track of everybody and to make sure that we are staying on top of seeing people and knowing people and connecting with them, and that's why we need all of you participating in that, especially those of you who have that particular gift. We need people keeping in contact with people and saying, how are you doing? I haven't seen you in a while. How's it going? I heard you had a need. What can I do to help? We need people who will celebrate with people. If you know that something great is happening, that you reach out to them, that people 
know that they are connected to the body because people care for them. Encouraging people to grow in their gifts, to be able to come alongside and say, I see this in you. Have you ever thought about that? How could I help you grow in this gift? Coming alongside of people, seeing them as individuals, not just collectively, but as individuals. We want to see this at Homestead. I was reading another book, and I thought this was such a great analogy. Um, The book is called The Body Life by Ray Stedman, and he says this, the church is not a conglomeration of individuals who happen to agree on certain ideas. It is bound together as an organism in bodily unity. It is true that a body is an organization, but it is much more than an organization. The essence of a body is that it consists of thousands of cells that have a mutually shared life. It is the sharing of life that makes the body different than an organization. An organization derives power from the association of individuals, but a body derives power from the sharing of life. So as we grow as a church, we are growing as an organization. That is true. But can I beg of us that we do not let the church become only an organization? That is not the heart of what God wants his church to be. And when we cease being a body and we start becoming an organization that's mechanical, then I don't see you anymore. I see the collective group. And the only way that we cannot just become an organization and stay a body is if we have an active pastoral system working in our church where people are seeing, people are reaching out, and people are caring for one another. When we first started Homestead, we would dream about a whole lot of stuff and write out different things. And there is a page in my journal for a couple of years ago that I wrote this phrase, a thoughtful church, a thoughtful church. And that seems like a silly thing, but it encompassed something that I imagined in my mind of what could a church look like if we were just thoughtful. If it was just when you think about somebody, you just go ahead and send the text If you know that someone's hurting, you just go and help. Just those little thoughtful things that would make a difference. What would that look like if we had a thoughtful church that just was paying attention to what was going on in people's lives and made the effort to reach out to them? So when we talk about the pastoral system functioning properly, it does not work if Jeff and Christy are the only one pastoring. We just can't do it. Right now, I can kind of do it. (laughs) But as we grow, it's just going to be harder and harder. And not only that, but those of you with those gifts, you're not going to grow until you dive in and start using them. And so whatever that might be, we need more hands on deck. We need people who will help bring meals to people who are hurting. We need people who will help in the kitchen, getting the food ready. That is a way that you serve. Um, I can't stand people in my house hungry. I always need food. So you'll see when we always do stuff at Homestead, our motto is if you feed them, they will come. We will always have donuts or something, right? Because there's, that's a part of caring for people. And so some of you are like, well, I'm shy. Go serve in the kitchen. Make the coffee. That's a great way for you to get involved. We need people who will care for the children. We need so many people who will care for the children. We are hoping to divide our nurseries by the fall into two rooms, which means we need people to hold babies. 
So I'm sure some of you would give up maybe one Sunday a month to just go and snuggle somebody's babies. But again, that's a form of care. And it's a form of care if you think about the mama who is coming in, who is exhausted, who has spent all week with her kids, and all she wants is five minutes to just be able to go and sit in church. Care? Amen. We got an amen from one of the mamas out there. Do you know what a blessing? When my kids were little, I almost wanted to weep when there was someone in the nursery who wasn't just standing there like, give me your kid, all right, but would say, I got her. You go and sit. I got her. It's fine. You just go and worship. I, I will take, oh, I love her already. Oh, my word. You just were like, thank you so much, and you just want to cry. And some of you, you have that gift, and we need you. We need you. We can barely function keeping our kids' rooms the way it is now. We need way more volunteers in that area. And some of you, you're just like, I could do that. I could go and I could help. I could hold a baby. I could, I could relieve a mama for a few hours. No, one hour. <laughs> it's not a few hours. So that she could just come to church. We need you serving in those gifts. We need people who are willing to go visit people who are sick and who are having hard times. We need people who will reach out to people who haven't been here for a while. How you doing? We need people who will help in Bible study, being a table leader, being kind of over a small group who will help kind of keep track of that small window of people. We need people who will exercise their pastoral gifts in this church. So all of us are called to share and care for other people. Some of us have a special gift, and we want to see you grow in that and find your place in that. And lastly, I want to leave you with this. Some of you have a vocational call on your life to be a pastor. What we're doing, that we, this is our full-time job. This is the thing that we are doing. And some of you have had that growing in your heart for a long time. And I want to encourage you to take the next step in that to take the next step in what that might look like. Maybe it's just taking on more responsibility here. We would love to talk to you about that. Maybe it's um, going to school to see if you can get ordained or licensed or whatever it is. Maybe that's the next step for you. Um, one of our greatest treasures here at Homestead Church are our youth directors, Stephen and Brooke Maxwell. And I know that you know. Right? I saw some fans. They're behind you. You just can't see it. Can I tell you a little bit about them? Stephen was working as a custodian, and Brooke was in our youth group at the church we were working out, and they were working just normal jobs. And when we started Homestead Church, we started praying about a youth pastor. And we, we had so many teenagers right away. Y'all just came with, with teenagers, and all of a sudden we're like, we have all these people. And I think we tried to do, like, me leading a small group, and I was like, yeah, we don't want our mom at the small group. It didn't work so good. And we were praying and praying and praying, and they had moved away. And before um, they had moved back, they had been small group leaders at the church that we were a part of in Bloomington, our, our mother church for Homestead. They were small group leaders. They were working other jobs, but they just decided, you know what, we're just going to get involved with teenagers. And they started helping with a small group that met on Sunday nights for kids that our kids happened to be in. And immediately, Jeff and I noticed how much they cared for our kids. They would call, they would text. Charlie was little. Every picture I saw, he was on Stephen's shoulders <laughs> somewhere. They would just, on Sunday nights, just spend time with them. And when they moved back, we had been praying about youth pastors, and Jeff saw Stephen and Brooke move back. 
get them on the phone right now. And so we invited them over and totally tricked them. We just said, we would love to have you come over for dinner. Just, you know, come on over. And they sat on our couch and we said, we see this in you. You guys, the way you care for people, this is an amazing thing. And they begin to pray about it, and they begin to realize that, yes, this is what God had called them to do. And they came on board, and they are, they are, oh, my goodness. And I know you know what a blessing they are because they don't just teach. They don't just lead. They care. And that has been what has made all the difference in our youth ministry growing. They care. They follow up with kids. They text them. They find out what's going on. They spend time with them. And yet, they didn't start out being pastors. They started out over here. And I believe some of you have had that little nudge in your heart for a really long time that God might be calling you to another step deeper in ministry. And I just want to encourage you today, listen to that. It doesn't have to look exactly. Stephen's still working. He's growing his carpet cleaning business so that he can quit his other job. So restoration carpet cleaning they are fabulous. They got stains out of my carpet that had been there for years, and I am not just giving a plug. So he is getting all his own equipment this week, right? So he continues to go more part-time at his other job, and the goal is we are hoping that we will have the resources to be able to bring them on full-time someday. But they are a blessing to us. So you never know where God is going to take you. But it starts out just being believers who exercise the gift of being caring, and then it moves into saying, this is part of my gifting. I'm going to exercise in that more. And God might have a whole other plan for you for your life. So as we close today, I want you to just think about the last few weeks as we have talked about finding your place in the body of Christ. What does that look like for you? What does that look like for you? We most certainly want to help you find a place to serve that you are naturally gifted to do. We want to help you find a place that is going to make you grow in your gifts. What does that look like for you? The body only functions when we all participate in that, when everybody finds a place to serve, when everybody gets in there and dives in. So what is that for you? And how can we help you get plugged into that? So let's just close in prayer. Jesus, I thank you so much that you had this idea of the concept of the body that we are not an island. Um, you put us in community together. You put us in families, and you put us into the body of Christ. And I thank you that you saw enough in our hearts that knew we needed each other. That there are things that I see that my neighbor doesn't see, and there are things that my neighbor sees that I don't see, and how when we all come together and we work together, we create this beautiful thing that spreads the love of Christ all throughout our world. And we want to be a healthy body. And so, Lord, today, first of all, I pray for those that have this pastoral gift. I pray, Lord, that you would begin to help them unfold that, to be able to see that that's how you made them. I pray that you begin to unlock what that will look like for them in how they serve and where their gifts are. I pray, Jesus, that you would help them to step out of their comfort zone. Maybe it feels really scary to, um, to reach out to somebody. I pray that you help them to begin to move in that gift in a stronger way. Lord, I pray for our church. I pray that it would always be a place that is kind and thoughtful and sees people. 
Lord, help us to do that. We know we cannot do that in our own strength. We know that we have to rely on the Holy Spirit revealing things to us, pointing us to people who need help, and we are listening and available. So help us to have ears to hear who we should be reaching out to. We want to be your hands extended. We don't want to just have an intellectual faith, but we want a faith that then reaches out and blesses others in our body and others in our community. So thank you for creating us well and giving us gifts. Help us to use them for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray all of these things. Amen.